Okay, if you would please turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 2. I will be reading Galatians 2, verses 15 through 16. Galatians 2, 15 to 16. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet Peter, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Father, I beg for the prayer of Paul in Ephesians 1 that You would open the eyes of our hearts to see, to grasp, to understand, and to love the depth of Christ, Your Son. To love and to relish what You have revealed to us in the New Testament about the Gospel of our salvation. That we wouldn't assume it or say it's too hard, so therefore not worth it, but that You would overcome all of those barriers in each one of us. To behold the glory of justification by faith alone. Do this, I pray, for the glory of the cross of Jesus and for our happiness. In His name, Amen. This passage in Galatians, as we have been working through the book of Galatians, introduces the central issue of what Paul's dealing with with the false teachers that have come to these churches of Galatia, and it has to do with justification by faith alone. And so we are in the middle of at least, (laughs) I know I've always promised four-week series, but at least a four-week series on the New Testament doctrine of justification by faith alone. So briefly, over the last two weeks, we saw that To be justified is a legal term that happens outside of us, not in us. It happens with God concerning us. It is God's declaration, like a judge in a courtroom, not guilty. It's His declaration of justified before me, before the law, cleansed. And it is based upon, we have seen, Our sin being imputed to Jesus, and thus as our sin was put to His account, God killed Him, punished our sin in Him, and took our guilt out of the way. And that it is also based upon Jesus' human perfection. Obedience to the law throughout His life as our representative and His righteousness, 
Not something done in us, but His righteousness, which is alien to us, is imputed to our account. That's what it means when Paul says, therefore having been justified by faith in Christ. Now, hear the last part of that. That's where we're going today. Justified by faith. The way one gets for their account for eternity what Jesus did is by being united to Christ. By faith. And so the question this morning in week three is, why? Why is it by faith? Why is faith the only means of being justified by Christ? What I want to do first And trust me, I often contemplate, should I do that? Because I'm going to spend about at least four minutes. I'm just going to read New Testament from Paul. I want, and I'm going to do it this morning. I I want you to feel the ubiquity, how, how common and central that being justified, saved by faith is in the New Testament. So, I'm going to read a number of texts from Romans, and I'm going to read three from Galatians, I'm going to read one from Ephesians. Paul writes, starting in Romans 3.22, The righteousness of God through, comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. That's the verb form of faith. For all who believe, for there is no distinction, whom God, Jesus, put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. It was to show God's righteousness at the present time so that He, God, might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith. In Jesus. For what does the Scripture say? It says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And to the one who does not work, but believes, trusts Him who justifies the ungodly, his or her faith is counted as righteousness. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring. Therefore, since we have been justified by the means of our faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. What shall we say then? 
the, the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness, and the Gospel comes to them, have attained righteousness. That is, a righteousness that comes to them by faith. Yet, Peter, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also, Peter, we have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. In the Scripture, Moses, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. He goes on. And so then, the law of Moses was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. And finally, in Ephesians 2, Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay. Paul is in a battle with professing Christian Jews from Jerusalem who hate the Gospel he preaches. They agree with so much of it, but say, Paul, you forget to tell the non-Jews that when they come to faith in the death and the resurrection of Jesus the Messiah, which they believe, you forget to tell them they must add to their faith works of the law in order to be finally justified before God. And that's why Paul says that little addition to the Gospel turns it into no Gospel at all. Now, hopefully you know your history if you're a Christian because there's 2,000 years of it. And especially in the majority of the Christian church, which is the West, there was a great Protestant Reformation and one of, one of the few key issues had to do with this. How is one justified? In the, 16, I mean in the 1500s. And so decades later, in the late 1500s, the Roman church got together in council on how to respond to the Reformed church, the Protestant church, the Lutheran church, and the Great Reformation concerning justification. And here's a quote from the Council of Trent. If anyone says that the justice received for Christian is not preserved and also not increased before God through our good works, but that those works are merely the fruits and the signs of justification that has already been obtained, 
but it's not the cause of the increase of justification. Anyone says that, let him be anathema. That's me. That is a pronouncement of anathema upon me. And this is the issue. And I will say that what the Council of Trent and, and, and the church has not, the Roman church has not changed its position on justification. What Trent contended is a mirror in a different form of the same Judaizing gospel, which is no gospel, which destroys grace. So, now back to the question for this morning. Why is faith the means? As opposed to anything else. Why is faith pitted up against? Not, okay, as long as you get faith, go ahead and add some other. No, no, no. It's pitted up against works of the law. As Paul puts it. Or say it this way. I'm going to show you this now. We saw it at the end of Ephesians. Why did he do that? He answered it. So that no one may boast. Why is faith the means of being justified in Christ? Why is that faith pitted up against boasting? I want you to turn, therefore, again to Romans chapter 3. And we'll start with verse 27. Paul now picks up in verse 27 of Romans 3. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, it's excluded by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So, why is faith, and in Paul's mind, as God's mouthpiece, so opposed? To boasting. Well, remember the context, we're in Romans. So remember, Romans starts off in chapter 1 making it clear that we human beings, fallen human beings, and Adam born in sin and are sinners, what is the core of our heart towards God? Is that we suppress the truth and unrighteousness. We suppress the truth that there is a Creator and we're not Him. We suppress the truth of the dynamic between the Creator and the creature, which at its core is thus utterly dependent, like a baby, for life, joy, happiness, all things. Sin at its core says, I don't like that position. I will deny God's glory because I 
want to be praised. I want to stand on my own two feet and be independent. And that is the essence of sin. Pride, which desires so strongly to be admired. And then Paul goes on to say, the way this works itself out throughout the world, the Gentile world as a whole, the pagan world or or the non-religious world in the sense of having the correct book, the way it works itself out is, do not give me laws about don't backbite and gossip. He says, that's why this independence produces insolence and it produces haters of God and haters of good. Don't tell me what to do with my sexual nature, God. And so Paul lays those things out. And then he comes to chapter 2 and he says, okay, now what about my people, the Jews, whom God gave the one true, beautiful, righteous law? What does sin look like when it brings itself under God's law. What does that independence do with God's holy law? It thinks that, okay, I won't do some of those other things, but I will use the law in order to boast in my flesh. That's what sin does. So Paul writes in Romans 2, you who boast in the law... Dishonor God by breaking the law. For it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Or in 3, 9 of Romans, he writes, Oh, what then? Are we Jews any better off? Okay, we have God's revelation in Moses, in the prophets, in the writings. We have it. Are we therefore... In a better state than non-Jews? No. Not at all. Why, Paul? Because we have already charged that all people, both Jews and non-Jews, are under sin. So, he writes, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in His sight. Because through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And that brings Paul to the middle of Romans 3. His point at this point is, and you know the text, right? For all have sinned. All means the Jews and all the other people of the world. Everybody is under sin. We're all justly guilty and condemned. And at the core of what's going on in us, Jew or Gentile, in our sin is whether in non-religious expression or religious expression is independence. I will show you how good I could be and boast or 
I will not be under any kind of religious law in any way. Period. And boast, I am my own man. I am my own woman. And so the question then is, if sin at the core is pride and is boasting, how are any of us to ever be made right with God so that we don't come to judgment day and be cast into the lake of fire that is perfectly just? How can God save from His justice and holiness sinners like us? The answer, Paul says in Romans 3, is that God came in Christ and accomplished our justification without our help. That's what we've seen over the last or the first two parts of this series. It's what we saw in verses 21 to 26 of Romans 3. Where Paul says, Redemption is in Christ. How? Because God sent His Son and put Him forth as a bloody propitiation for sin. And then what? In order to be received. How? By faith. Now we're back to the beginning again. And then look down at your text. The very next thing he says now is verse 27, where Paul raises the issue of boasting. And why does he do it? Because pride, that is, having any valid reason for any of us individuals to boast about any accomplishment in us, that is the biggest problem of us, the creature. Human beings. Independence. It's the essence of belittling God's glory. It is at the core of what sin is. And so Paul says, God acted in history to save us from the penalty of sin. And and ultimately won't be fulfilled totally until the resurrection, but and to save us from the essence of our sin, namely pride, independence. Look at me. I did this. I ought to get something because of it. And therefore, God accomplished salvation in Christ in such a way as to not involve us in any way in the accomplishment of that salvation. So the question is, Christ came therefore and He rose from the dead. And He appears for 40 days and He is stunned and He is shocked and this is the Messiah and that's what the cross meant. And go preach it! And we're 2,000 years down the road. And the Gospel has come to us. The good news of justification in Christ has come to us. And now the question is, how will God connect sinners to that justification so that it's theirs? The answer has to be, He's got to do it in a way 
that excludes pride, that excludes boasting. Think about it. If God decided, okay, Jesus did all the work, okay, not everyone is going to be saved by it, so who are those who are going to be saved? Well, let's make the means you have to run the mile in under five minutes. Well, there's a lot of people who will be able to do that, but the vast majority won't. Okay, that's, those are the people who are saved by Christ because they, that's the means by which He saves them. It wouldn't work. They have something to boast about over the others who could not do that. So how is He going to connect sinners to Christ, who is their justification, is got to be in a way where there will be zero room for boasting. Because if it weren't, if He connected them in a way like, let me see, just let me see, go two weeks and keep these moral laws, then you'll be in, you would have something to boast about. And that means of connecting those persons to justification in Christ would be an absolute contradiction to why Jesus died. It would be an absolute contradiction to destroy pride in boasting. And so Paul's answer to the question, how is he going to connect them, is right there in verse 27. Read it again. Let me, let me pick up with the last sentence of 26 first and feel the flow. So that He, God, might be just and He would be the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from, apart from works of the law. So, how does God do it? Does He do it by giving you commands, ceremonial commands, circumcise your male boys on the eighth day, do not murder, do not steal, clean your life up, stop being a drunk, stop committing sexual sin. Is that how He connects a person? Is it by a law of works? And Paul answers it. No. What I think He means when he says that, is that the law of Moses would not exclude boasting. If, if the law of Moses intentionally taught, do these things in order to be justified. Never taught that. But what he's saying is that the law of Moses would exclude boasting if it taught that we are justified by faith 
which in fact the law of Moses does teach and which Paul goes on to teach in Romans chapter 4. So, Paul clearly says here in verse 27 that what excludes boasting from a Christian's salvation is that justification comes to us not by our performance of obedience to the law, but it comes by a miracle springing up in the heart called faith. Which, in fact, the law of Moses always taught. What then becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law is it excluded? By a law of works? No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith. Apart from works of the law. Apart from works of the law. Okay. We've got to get that in order to understand why Paul is so bent out of shape in writing to the Galatians. Why he condemns. It's just not a difference of opinion. He condemns as non-gospel the teaching of these professing Christians called the Judaizers. Because if boasting is going to be excluded from justification according to Paul, then justification has to not only be by a heart of faith in the hearing of the Gospel, but it has to be by faith totally and absolutely and never connected to the means of being justified. That is, works of the law have to be absolutely excluded from your being justified. If you say, no, we believe in faith. And then you say, but let's add to that faith works of the law. Mix them together and you make that mix the means of being justified, declared righteous before God, saved, assured of heaven. You make that, the, that mix the means you have destroyed the Gospel. You have perverted the Gospel. You have twisted God's purpose in excluding boasting. And then briefly look down in verses 29 and 30. He helps us understand what He means by faith totally apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is He not the God of the Gentiles also? Okay, rhetorical question which he answers. Yes! He is the God of Gentiles also since God is one. He's the one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. God is not just the God of the Jews. What's he saying? I think Paul's saying, if doing the law of Moses, the first five books of your Bible, if doing the law of Moses is the way to be justified, then Gentiles who don't have the law of Moses 
would be excluded. Notice in verse 30, what does he use as an example, right? Of a law, of a work of the law. Circumcision. And he says, those Jews living under the law and who have obeyed the law to them, which is a Jewish law of the covenant, of circumcision, they will be justified. But not by that work of the law. Right? You see it? The, the circumcised will be justified if they are justified. How? By faith. Oh, oh and the non-Jew, the uncircumcised, who, who doesn't ever throughout life submit to the law of circumcision will be justified in Christ. How? By faith. So in the context of Romans... He just he uses an example here of circumcision and he brings them up in Galatians of kosher dietary. But in the context of Romans and of Galatians, a work of the law is anything you do besides faith. It's anything you do besides faith in order to obtain a right standing with God. Justification. That's a work of the law that is always, always condemned. A work of the law in that sense is not the works that Jesus prepared beforehand that you should walk in them, ever. It's a totally different kind of a work. Those are called works of faith, not a work of the law. He's saying... If you try to do anything besides trust in God's grace in Jesus Christ in order to get right with God, then you're doing a work of the law. You are still filled with boasting. And then Paul goes on in Romans 4, just there, in order to explain why works of the law do not exclude boasting. You just read verses 4 and 5 of Romans 4. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a grace, is the word here. They're not counted as grace, a gift. But as they're counted as his paycheck, his due, what you earn. Which you can always boast about. You get angry if your employer doesn't pay you. That employer now is put under you, is indebted to you. That's a work of the law. That's why it doesn't exclude boasting. Verse 6 And to the one who does not work, but instead believes in him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted as righteousness. So in other words, Paul is saying, Galatians, 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 if you receive the law of circumcision, if you receive the law of kosher diet, 
If you receive the law of being every Sunday church attender, if you receive the law, do not steal, and you don't steal. If you say, yes, I will not bear false witness, I'll obey that law. Oh, Galatians, if you go on in keeping yourselves away from sexual sin that God says keep yourself away from, if you go on giving 10% of your income, I can go on and on. Galatians, if you do any of this as a way of obtaining justification, then you won't get grace. Because it's not based on grace. Do works of the law, you'll get what's due, what's owed to you. Why is this so important to God? Because the most important reality to God is God and could never be any other way, or He would sin. His glory is at the center of His eternal happiness in being, and it is the object of the happiness of all who are being saved in Jesus Christ. You see, if our working so I pause this, but he who does not work in this way at all, doesn't do any works, but believes. If we think our working got me saved in Jesus, then your work will call attention to you. Our works will call attention to us. So, for instance, just say that I'm, I'm a trash collector. Trust me, if we go on strike... <laughs> you're going to realize how much you love trash collectors. Okay, So I, I pick up your trash every Monday. You just put it out there and it's gone and the barrels are empty. You're welcome. It's attention to me. I did something for you. I, I'm the chef of the delicious restaurant meal you're eating and often... Please give my compliments to the chef. He works. He's the worker. He gets the praise. I'm the surgeon who did open heart surgery on you and saved your life. I'm the worker. I get the praise. That's not Christianity, though. A Christian is a person who has been miraculously brought to faith and lives in faith. And that faith is that a Christian is not the surgeon. A Christian is one who wakes up in the hospital room after surgery saying, Thank you, Dr. Jesus. You are the great worker. You're the lifesaver. I owe you all my gratitude. All glory goes to you. I have nothing to boast in 
but in your life-saving surgery called the cross. Faith does not call attention to itself. If in anything, all faith says is, as Paul puts it, I believe that He justifies the wretched piece of junk who deserves nothing. Well, that's interpretation of ungodly. That's the only attention it draws. We bring only into our hands sinfulness and just wrath that hung over our head and we heard the good news. Oh, foolish Galatians, are you so, so bewitched and tricked? Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of this message with a heart of faith that awoke from spiritual death? And said, thank you, Dr. Jesus. Are you so foolish thinking you could begin that way and now you move on to work for the doctor? This is why the Judaizing doctrine is so abhorrent to Paul and to Jesus and to Peter. It's why it's so serious It destroys grace. And I'm not speaking any stronger than Paul. I say to you that if you receive circumcision with these motivations, Christ Jesus Himself will be of no benefit to you. You have fallen from grace. You who are seeking to be justified by works. See, the Judaizing doctrine is like, okay, I woke up from surgery... I believe, and I thank the doctor, but once I get on my feet, doctor, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm a house painter, and I'm going to bring my crew over. I'm going to paint your house for free so that we can share a little bit of praise back and forth. That's the Judaizing gospel. Let me ask one last question then. From Romans 3 there, the end, here's the question. And what Paul is saying, how, boasting is excluded. Okay? Excluded because of faith, not because of works of the law. Does Paul mean that the Gospel of Jesus Christ came in order to destroy the law of Moses? Does he mean that faith in Jesus Christ based upon only grace destroys ethical and moral commands of the law for believers? Careful. Okay. Verse 31, look at it. Let's ask Paul the question. Do we then, from what he just said and what we saw this morning, do we then destroy or overthrow the law 
by this faith? Answer, by no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. What I think Paul is getting at when he says this is, and he's going to do, he does it in Romans, he's going to do it some in Galatians. He's going to turn to the law. He's going to turn to Abraham who's in the law. He's going to say, look, from the foundation of it all, okay? The law got turned upside down by religious people trying to turn it into something it never was. A means through which you would get to heaven by your performance of it. Never did God intend that. He's going to say it was always by faith. So when he says we don't destroy the law, we don't overturn the law, but in fact we uphold it, what he means is that what the law of God requires, whatever that may be, if you run into your neighbor's car, you owe them. Oh, donkeys back then. Okay? Don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Honor your mother and your father. Have no other gods before me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. What the law of God requires, He's saying we will do if we pursue it by faith as those who have already been justified by that initial First reality of faith that came alive in our heart. Bam! It was over. It's done. We're made right with God by His mercy. He's saying what it requires we will find ourselves doing based upon justification never in order to get made right with God. If you respond to God's commands without a heart of trusting the great doctor who commands, but instead as if you can earn God's goodwill towards you, then you have totally missed the point of God's commands in the law of Moses. This is why Jesus was so angry at the Pharisees. He wasn't changing the ground rules. The ground rules were always set in Genesis with Abraham. Abraham was circumcised, obeyed after he was justified. That's what Paul would go on to argue in Romans 4. And this is what Paul says in Romans 9. What shall we say then? Say this. The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained righteousness. Remember, this is the righteousness of justification. It's not their own righteousness. It's, a, it's given to them okay, in the Gospel. They have attained righteousness. That is, the righteousness that comes by faith. But, as a whole, remember Paul was a Pharisee, 
But by God's mercy, He saved him. But that Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, they did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? That's Paul's word. Why? He answers it. Because they did not pursue the law by faith. But as if, which it means never was, but as if righteousness were to be obtained by doing works of the law. So, biblical saving faith removes any ground of boasting. Whether it is with that basically good disposition of that woman who's such a nice neighbor all her life and does everything for everybody, or the horrific violent criminal, when they both come to saving faith in Jesus, there's no ground of boasting in either one. Because the the essence of saving faith, where we're going next week, is that it, like a child that sees their heart towards God without Christ in its sin, that reaches out and receives as a gift the hands of faith, the righteousness of Jesus that He freely gives to all who will believe. And they are justified by that faith alone. So, if we turn away from all of our grounds of boasting and get made right with our Creator by receiving Jesus' righteousness by faith alone, And then live day by day, week by week, month by month, until you're dead. Live by that same faith. Living in that freedom of the Spirit that produced the faith. Living in the reality that we have already, once and for all, been justified. Then what we will find as we walk in faith, we will be being changed from one degree of glory to another. From the inside out, we will begin to love what the law of God requires. It won't be external because there's a new principle happening in new birth by the indwelling Spirit. Oh, we still have our flesh and Romans 7 is there. That's why Paul says, oh, I fall into the flesh and it's against what I want to do, meaning in the inward man that's been reborn. But that's the process where you're right. Adultery is wrong. And I grow to love and see that's a gift. Backbiting, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness is sin. And you say, yes, God, burn it. Burn it from me.
It is when in the Christian life, based upon justification, we will walk in that freedom because none of our obedience, therefore, to the moral law will ever be by the motivation of, I've got to get right with God by doing this. That means you just don't understand the Gospel. Yeah, and so let me just show you that real briefly and we'll come to close. Because Paul gets finally to Galatians 5 and he says this in Galatians 5. So hear it. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. But what counts for everything is faith working itself out through love. For you were called to freedom, Galatians. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled. What? <laughs> For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul says the only way that that is happening to whatever tiny degree in our lives was what he just said in verse 6 of chapter 5. The only thing that matters which united you to Christ. You are justified. That problem is taken care of. You are absolutely free from ever trying to do any commands of God in order to get made right with Him. Gotta get it. Gotta get it, Paul's saying. You gotta get it, okay? Okay. Now, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that shall he also reap. Later on. So he says, you've got to get it. Do not be deceived and use your freedom as an opportunity for your sinful nature to live in it, but through love serve one another. For love is the fulfilling of the law. Where does the love come from? Faith working itself out in loving others as those who are already justified. See, I, I think, maybe I can say with, I don't know, all of us, but in, <laughs> there is a default. You know, everything just goes back to what you set your default on, okay? iTunes is going to upload it, okay? That's my default. I, there is a default deception embedded in us sinners. And that is, that by default, unless the Word of God is constantly correcting us, is we assume that by trying to live a good life, sinning a little less, and, and, and really, especially keeping away from those big sins, that's my ticket to heaven. Just go to, go, go to four services a day from Monday to Friday this week. Just find more trees and go to them. You'll just hear it everywhere. It's embedded in all the world religions, one extent or another, if they have a heaven. 
It is embedded in millions of church-going people. They rest with their confidence of being right with God based upon the works that they perform. And this is an empty hope because we are all, all, the best of us from a cultural standpoint, that we're blessed with a gift of God of a good, gentle disposition. The best of us are all born into sin. And just recompense awaits without the remedy of Christ's justification and His righteousness being imputed to us. When God gave the law long before Christ came, it was a law of mercy pointing out sin, our guilt, our problem. It was never, ever intended to be a tool by which sinful human beings would try to climb into heaven before Christ or after Christ. And therefore... Righteousness. Perfect human righteousness that we are so desperate to have on Judgment Day can never be achieved. Never ever be achieved by trying to obey God's laws. By trying to be better or gooder. We can only possess the righteousness that we need by trusting in the righteousness of another man. Jesus Christ. Only by His perfect, sinless, human obedience. And that righteousness is made available to any human being who will attain it by faith in Christ alone. It is that faith that connects us to Christ who is our righteousness. And thus, there is no room for boasting. Except in the cross of Christ to which we turn now as we will be singing we will be handing out the blood in the body of Christ we will commune together if you are a baptized believer in Jesus as it comes by feel free to partake and hold and together we will pray over and we will we will eat of the body. We will drink of the blood and our hearts will boast in Christ's life and death for our justification. For He rose and as He promised then, He will return again and we will sup with Him in that day. Father,
Oh, continue to move. Continue to move according to Ephesians 1 as you are opening hearts and minds, as you are causing joy to us sinners to revel in such mercy. Oh, work this as the blood and the body are passed out. Work it as we are not standing alone, but in communion with Your body, rejoicing in this great salvation. You're wonderful, Son. Amen.